You're listening to the NAGRA Podcasters Network. I think the most important thing when you're deciding what to have for dinner is the cuteness of the animal, right? Right. You're, yeah. You're not going to eat a dog or a bunny. Well, I, wait, I'd eat a bunny. I'd eat a bunny, too, yeah, actually. I would eat the Crap, shit there goes that bunny. theory. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I have. I've, I've eaten rabbit. Yeah, it's, I know. It's really delicious. It's delicious. Rabbit yeah. soup? It's like a gamey chicken. I know. Like, yeah, it's really good. Pro, pro so cuteness. Maybe the cuter the animal, the more we should eat it. Maybe. <laughs> that should be the new standard. So they're, let me see. The vegans have already all thrown their iPods out yeah. the window. <laughs> yeah, I, I, uh, I'm not a fan of vegans. Uh, I don't have anything against veganism. Uh, no? No. I do. Really? Yeah, a lot. Please, please do tell. You know what the you know what you know uh, what's that joke? Vegans an Indian word. Did yeah, you, yeah. What, is, what does it mean? <laughs> a lousy hunter. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, an oldie but goodie. The classics. The classics never go out of style. In the heart of the One Dish with One Spoon Treaty territory, Nagrin's Sean Vanderclis and Carl Dockstader dish on any and all issues from a First Nations perspective. From pipeline politics to poverty to pan-Indianism and more, Sean shares his concrete curve leg take and Carl gives an urban Oneida angle. You are listening to One Dish, One Mic on the Niagara Podcasters Network. I, I'm not as anti-vegan as you. Okay. But maybe I should be. Maybe you should be. Because <laughs> I'm pretty sure vegans hate my guts. <laughs> probably, they probably I'm do. pretty sure. Normally, I try not to come on One Dish, One Mic and personally talk about, hey, what's going on with Carl? You know, yeah. Let me tell you what the girls did last week or whatever. I try, <laughs> I try not to do this. But in this particular instance, I, I think I'm public enemy number one. You are. Because I'm seen as being behind a letter that, that said that protesting the Short Hills deer hunt is, is racist. racist. Yeah. yeah. And, and not to say that you were seeing, you are behind the letter. Your name is literally on it. <laughs> it is. It is. It's part of a coalition, though. <laughs> you openly said, I wrote the letter. <laughs> no, that's that's fair. It's that's in the fair. Twitterverse. So, yeah. No, I'm, I'm, I'm public enemy number one yeah. because uh, I want to make sure I get this straight. Okay. I, why, okay. Why are you being so racist? Or right? why are you being so... It is reverse racist. Race, reverse me. racist. Wrongly calling somebody racist right. is worse than racism, right? I yes. think that's a that's a strongly held Canadian value. <laughs> if you if you mistakenly imply that something's racist, that instantly let me check the comment yeah. section yeah. before just to be sure, right? Let me go back and re-listen to our comment section episode. So what he's going to do right now is check the comment section. Yes. While I'm he's checking right the comment section, you should listen to this next show. Hey, this is Trevor from Niagara Podcasters Network. A healthy community has many sources of news and information. Here at NPN, we're creating locally sourced, locally produced news content, and we're excited to tell you about The Regional, our first program on NPN News. The Regional is a weekly news show that's a political potpourri. It's a municipal menagerie. It is a local smorgasbord of interviews, panel discussions, and in-depth analysis. You can find The Regional by looking for it in Apple Podcasts, Google Play, or the podcast app of your choice. Or you can find us on niagarapodcasters.org slash regional. The Regional, Niagara's news magazine, only on Niagara Podcasters Network. So, and we're back. <laughs> All right. <laughs> So I have to leave and go see go see a therapist. I forgot what the comment section is like. That was the painful, traumatic. I'm having like comment section PTSD. That's, His leg that's, is literally twitching right now. Yeah, this is this is bad. This is bad. I can barely talk through the tears that have got me so choked up. So so what's going on? Tell me, tell me what's happening. Why are you? Why did you compose this letter? What is this letter about? What is the deer hunt? 
I obviously hate vegans and love calling people racist. Right. Well, we know that. Okay. Yeah. Now that we've got that out of yeah. the way. <laughs> In other news, water is wet. <laughs> right. <laughs> Coffee so, is good. No, it just it just seemed that after five years of people protesting the indigenous deer hunt in Short Hills Park, I guess I guess I should set up yeah. a little bit of context. Yeah. Context for me, this, please. Since two thousand and thirteen, the Ministry of Natural Resources approached the Haudenosaunee Confederacy okay. about finding a way to help call the deer in Short Hills. Yeah. So their ecologists, their biologists did some counts and they found an overpopulation of deer in Short Hills Park. Okay. Uh, this is corroborated by a lot of the local farmers that said that the deer were just coming and, and eating too many of, of the crops. Uh, you know, I don't want to name any of the farmers, right? But you could have yeah. fun at some of the farms that are there, right? <laughs> so <laughs> not to, you know, I not think, to single anybody just out. There. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, so there, but it's not, it's not like... <laughs> It's not like the Haudenosaunee Wildlife Authority, you know, threw a pin at a map and said, let's go hunt right in the middle of Niagara because that'd be great, right? There's some reason behind it. There's some valid points and scientific studies that validate why this is happening here. Yeah, the ministry, the ministry of Natural Resources and Forestry, right. said that there's an overpopulation of deer. Un- unfortunately, an officer uh, almost lost his life last week in Fort Erie because of the overpopulation of deer at this time of year when his cruiser was was completely destroyed right, right. to a, a deer. So, uh, the, I mean, there there's a lot of evidence that there's a lot of deer. So, deer deer is not an endangered species. Right. Uh, there's no shortage of white-tailed deer. There's about four hundred thousand of them. In, in Ontario, and that number goes up every year because you know deer like to you know get it on. <laughs> exactly, yeah. So uh, putting those white tails to use, you know. So, so there's plenty. There's plenty of deer. They're called white-tailed deer. Yes, so. <laughs> yes, they are, Carl. <laughs> Damn, that's another. He's racist against deer now. Is it because they're white? They, I don't know. I don't even know what the logic is. So, okay. So the hunters get asked to come here, and lo and behold, the very moment that they arrive for their first hunt ever, there is a group of mostly white people that's made up into into three groups of people i think one group okay. of people are vegans okay. that just don't believe that cute animals should be killed right um they're i mean they're generally against against all animal killing yeah but they are known to prorate the importance of of animal cruelty based on the cuteness of the animal so i think so no maybe they have a formula or spreadsheet you know, I, you know, I don't know. <laughs> an maybe algorithm an algorithm right <laughs> hey it's not my way to tell yeah. them how to live right yeah. so there's the vegans that's that's the one group the yeah. other group is the hunters they go oh why do, why do indigenous hunters get special rights and right. stuff right because the four thousand licenses they give out to hunters aren't enough yeah 1400 deer a year that they already kill aren't enough right they have to have one more park i guess so they're you know oh indigenous people have something i don't have that's racist yeah so that's the second group of people and then the last group of people are are the assholes who fill the comment section who <laughs> just hey look the, indigenous the people let's pile on let's do it so these three groups of people get together for the first year and that in and of yeah. itself was yeah. i mean that that was uh uh really something to behold right because you want to talk about an unlikely alliance of people right like you think the flash batman and wonder Woman is weird <laughs> look at this group of people you got okay. hunters vegans and trolls <laughs> right <laughs> it sounds like a setup for a bad joke or something a hunter a vegan and a troll walk into a bar 
they all hate Indians. <laughs> <laughs> and that's the story of Canada. <laughs> right? Bum, bum, ba, dum. <laughs> So, uh, yeah, so this unholy alliance gets together and they decide to condemn the hunt. So for the first couple of years, you know, I get it. It's new, right? right? It's different. It's, you know, this isn't, this hasn't been done before. And, and while, while members of the indigenous community and many people are, are really commending the government for finding innovative ways to include indigenous mm-hmm. people and to recognize treaty rights without really harming anybody. Right. What happens is what happens with a lot of a lot of small linear thinking groups is that they wow my bias really is showing yeah sorry but they they dig in yeah they just to, dig in we need to whip it out and dangle it in front of their eyes let's see this bias right. show me how big this bias is the bias all over the place right? <laughs> chapstick size bias is uh, whoa. <laughs> too personal too personal. <laughs> Um, what so, were we talking about? <laughs> so your bias you is out. You got me distracted when you said whip it out. <laughs> your bias is out and you, we are pro-government innovative thinking and giving us the ability to practice our treaty rights. Yeah, this is this is based on an existing treaty right. In 1701, okay. the Treaty of Nanfan was signed between the English and the Haudenosaunee. In 1701, the Treaty of Montreal was signed between the... Uh, the French and the Haudenosaunee. And in 1701, finally, after years of resistance, the Anishinaabe people and the Haudenosaunee agreed to the basic terms that would be the one dish, one spoon treaty. So in 1701, you had terms of reference for how to use Niagara. We've talked in other episodes about, about the Treaty of Niagara and the Royal yeah. Proclamation, but this really lays the foundation for it. In 1701, again, you have surprise, surprise, warring factions trying to fight with each other to decide what to do with the land. So the easiest way to sort that out is with the treaty. So in 1701, one, you have this particular treaty that agrees that we're going to share this land as hunting space for anybody and everybody. So we'll all live here. We won't kill each other as much. But the condition upon that is that we share the resources of the land. Boom. There's the foundation for this treaty. So as is the Canadian way, as soon as it becomes inconvenient to follow this treaty, they stop yeah. following the treaty and they act as if, well, you gave it to us, so it's yeah. ours and we can have yeah. it forever and exactly. ever and ever. And there's a, no, we... We beat you guys <laughs> in war to ensure that you don't have any treaties. Yeah, exactly. We we won a war yeah. sometime, someplace. So yeah. therefore it's ours. <laughs> so, which is not true because yeah. as Dr. Bob Antoine will tell you about the Haudenosaunee is that we were never, this is this is a quote, never conquered. Never surrendered, never defeated openly in the plane of battle, end quote. That's Dr. Bob Anton. And what he means is that we made agreements and we fought alongside Canadians and Americans in war, but we, they couldn't, haven't, and won't beat us. So we still have rights. So 1701, this treaty gets signed, and in 1764, the terms of the treaty basically get reiterated and... and uh, through through the Treaty of Niagara, which when you look at the when you look at the Treaty of Niagara, you'll actually see little hexagons that look like the one the one dish. Right. Uh, and anytime that you see that in a treaty, according to people that are much more knowledgeable than me, yeah. but including Anishinaabe scholars um, like uh, Alan Corbier yeah. uh, or our own scholar Rick Hill, who work closely together on these types of things, anytime you see that that sort of lozenge shape, yeah. for lack of a better term, that's that's a representation of of the one 
one dish. Right. So you start to see an Anishinaabe treaty making and in Haudenosaunee treaty right. making, and then even in English treaty making, yep. that you start to see this lozenge. So what that what that shape means is that that represents the one dish, and what the one dish ultimately represents is the fact that if you eat all of the food, I'm still going to go hungry. Right. Right. It doesn't matter who does it. That we all share a finite number of, of resources. So this this is the foundation of of where the 1701 Treaty of Nanfan came from. It's important okay. to talk about the one dish, one spoon and the Treaty of Montreal to show that, cause there are a lot of skewed historical narratives and maybe right. someday we'll do a treaty episode and sort all this out. But, but how this applies to this particular hunt is that there were English people that wanted to live here, uh, but they were Anishinaabe and had Anishinaabe people that already lived here. Right. And the English people were like, how could we, you know, would you let us live here? What are some nice friendly ways we could do this? And the indigenous people said, well, let us, let us hunt and, and as long as we can still hunt, then yeah. that's cool. Let's let's do this. Let's do this thing. Right. Let's move forward. So they agree to do this thing and move forward and fast forward to 2013. And the government is trying to find a way to make these treaties practical. They say, well, we've got this park and this park is exploding with deer. They're eating all of the adjacent like pumpkins and crops in, right. in the area. There, There's a lot going on. The deer are, are damaging the park. And, and even worse, the deer themselves, it'll start to become inhumane. It's it's, it's called uh, it's called an islanding actually yeah. when when you have an isolated area there unfortunately niagara doesn't want to have continuous corridors i think they should work towards having continuous wildlife yeah. and ecological corridors so that the deer have some place to go i actually think that all of the the ecological efforts around protecting and preserving deer i think that's where the animal activists should should put their efforts right right continue those corridors <clears throat> connect those connect the different park systems that we have and give the deer some place where they can where they can run around but we don't currently have that right so what we have are a bunch of if you've been out to that neighborhood very wealthy landowners that have completely surrounded the park with their property and their required infrastructure so their roads and their plumbing and and their buildings and their concrete and everything else they they have created this island you know maybe not intentionally but either way they still live there so they have surrounded their park with their deer in it and Mm -hmm. now they're upset that indigenous hunters are are coming along and, and and hunting so that I think that's all the context okay. of how this hunt got to there. So now fast forward to where we are this year, and it's it's the same arguments from the anti-Indigenous hunters right. that it is every year. Well, we're not against treaties, and we're not right. against Indigenous people, and oh, I'm pro I'm pro treaty rights, but it's just this hunt. It's just yeah. well, there's too many hunters, and well, they're damaging the park, and right. well, insert other reason here. Like it just it just starts to look like after a while, like you you don't see them around the NPCA uh, hunting grounds. Normally the Ministry of Natural Resources and Forestry, they delegate hunting to the local conservation authority. Right. In this case, they're personally overseeing this hunt because it's 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 a new yeah. one-off, you know, one-of-a-kind hunt. So, but you just don't see these people protesting these other hunts. And to me, again, that's that's where the hypocrisy comes in, and that's where the fact that they're singling out indigenous people. It it if it you know looks like racism yeah. and it acts it's, like racism smells like racism <laughs> smells like racism <laughs> it's probably racist right so so with the uproar from these anti-indigenous people you have coined uh, you've penned a letter yeah so the uh it wasn't i did i did write the first iteration <laughs> of the letter um 
And the criticism, the criticism of the letter specifically, I guess, was that the term was too broad. It made it look like anybody who was again hunting on any level yeah. was was anti-indigenous rights. And right. The letter didn't say that. The letter, the letter was very clear in stating that that if you're opposed to this particular hunt, right. then that's linked with racism. Mm-hmm. And there, to me, there's there's no way around the fact that if you if you don't acknowledge that indigenous rights are an aspect of this hunt then that is continuing to perpetuate the colonial policy of, of Canada. Mm-hmm. Canada, at its core, the biggest thing that stands in between reconciliation with Indigenous people or not right. is the fact that Canadian people are unwilling to recognize that there is historical importance that's assigned to the relationship with Indigenous people. Right. Hunting being one of them. Hunting being one of them, Yeah. So Indigenous people are practicing Indigenous rights in an Indigenous mm-hmm. way, yeah. and people are objecting. And that, I mean, that's that's what the that was the point of the letter. I, I I think that the letter has been successful in the sense that I'm I'm not afraid to talk about racism. Right. I'm not sensitive to the. I I'm racist myself. <laughs> I I'm gonna I'm gonna throw that out there. Okay. Like tell racism, me more. <laughs> racism is more pervasive than most people think. Right. Like we're, first off, we we live in a society the constructs of which are fundamentally racist. Right. And support racism. Yeah. That's that's just how the world is. Yeah. Indigenous people go to jail more than non-indigenous people. Right. In America, the cops shoot black people at higher rates than than non-black right. people. Like those are all those are all well researched you know you can you can back up those statements with well well researched done yeah yeah exactly so i mean we we do live in a society where white people are the dominant group of people right even that word i've seen thrown around the word white people hey like there i've seen i've heard white people that are uncomfortable calling themselves you know white people yeah I, i mean maybe there are some other elements at play so i don't know but the again the the idea that just just saying the word racism triggers some sort of mechanism that causes people's hair to stand up on the back of their yeah. neck and, and to get really upset. That probably says more about the people that are upset than, than the people that are saying it. I'm not afraid to say that I see a lot of racism in society mm-hmm. and that I think that it's pretty pervasive and I think it's important to call it out. Right. You do see call it. it when you see it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So what next then? So you, you, you wrote this letter. Has, has a hunt happened yet? The hunt will be happening, if you're listening when this is released, the hunt will be happening this Saturday. If you're listening this Saturday. right now, it's Wednesday. Okay. And the next Saturday will be the 11th. Okay. So uh, the hunt will be happening at uh, around 3 o'clock. Um, there will be some some people that are supporting the hunt mm-hmm. that are there to counteract some of the anti-hunt protesters. And I, that's, I, I guess that's, I mean, the last sort of specific thing that I want to speak to around, around racism, whether it's racist or not racist, is that again, you, you have a group of primarily white people that are surrounding vehicles of indigenous people, including in a lot of cases, like parents and mm-hmm. their children, parents bringing their children and teaching them how to hunt. You have a group of mostly white people that are surrounding the cars, shouting at them, stalling the car, shining flashlights in their faces, and in some cases yelling racial slurs. Yeah. So it's tough for me to say that, that that's, again, that that's not racism. Right. I don't know if that's not racism, <laughs> I don't know what is. <laughs> Like, holy hell. <laughs> so. <clears throat> so that being said, we will be at the hunt. Yes. Live broadcasting. All the goodness that's going to happen. All right. Stay tuned as Carl gets arrested for being <laughs> racist. <laughs> right? For being reverse racist? That's really a thing? 
So I don't know. Like, what? What do you? I mean, we could talk about the seal hunt, right? Well, yeah. I, I mean, any any time you're infringing on traditional rights, I think is a faux pas, and I think that you should do some research before even having an opinion. Um, I'm I'm glad that you're pro animal rights and animal alliances, but these were source. These were the source of our food. These were the foundation for our communities. A lot of our communities traveled just based on where the food was. So for you to sit here and, and protest our way of life, our way of being, is a slap in the face to, to me and to my family and to, to any, any nomadic community. So I, although I'm not um, Do you hunt? affected. Do you hunt? No. Do you, or do you have family members that I hunt? I have family members that hunt. Okay. Um, I want to hunt. Yeah. I just never had the opportunity. Like, I mean, I've been hunting... A couple times, a handful of times, but not enough to say that I'm a, I'm a hunter. Okay. Like, I don't own firearms. I don't uh, have a hunting license. I don't uh, um, buy tags or whatever. whatever we should, we should go. What we do you, should, do you want to go on hunting? Saturday the 11th? Ex- well, can I go? sneak into the park. And... <laughs> Let's go. <laughs> <laughs> I think the last thing these protesters need is Sean with a gun. <laughs> <laughs> right. So, actually, it's it's a crossbow hunt, too. Uh, oh, okay. And the reason that it's a crossbow hunt is for the safety of the people that, oh, okay. are, that are in the area, right? So, like we took an added of step of protection. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And I mean, that's something that don't don't take my word for it. Listen, yeah. listen to Paul Williams, right? Yeah. He he is actually the spokesperson for the Haudenosaunee Wildlife yeah. Authority. And I mean, they they have thought of everything. If the ministry asks them to do something, they yeah. they do it. The again, Liz White of the Animal Alliance is out there. And she said, well, if they would only do these three safety measures that she made up, or yeah. that, you know, or whatever important. Just, just her, you know, I tagged Animal Alliance of Canada in this post. Oh, OK, great. <laughs> yeah. So great. when we when I published this, I just wanted to get your approval before publishing it. No, no, that's that's fine. Beautiful. I mean, Liz, Liz White and I have been I mean, I guess it's my turn to do the media on this this year. So yeah. Liz White and I have been going back and forth on on this. And, and she finally acknowledged that indigenous, like finally in the Toronto Star article, yeah. she acknowledged that she supports indigenous rights. Yeah. But she's still willing to go all in and do everything in her power to, to stop this hunt in any way, shape or form. I so don't know. Four indigenous know. rights, just not here, not yeah, in this part, exactly. preferably not in any part exactly. ever. Reconciliation, Otherwise. just not on Canada's 150th anniversary, <laughs> right. right? Wait till next year. Yeah, Wait exactly. Wait till and then everything I, will be okay. Uh, I may not be as politically correct as you, but I have no patience for, for people like that or groups like that. I mean, like this is why I haven't been involved is because I'm very passionate and very impatient for stupidity. Yeah. And to me, this is ridiculous. Yeah. A ridiculous issue. Like you shouldn't, you shouldn't even think of protesting this. Like the fact that you think of protesting this m- makes me question your sanity as an individual. Yeah. Um, but I'm kind of excited to go to the hunt, kind of excited to see what happens. I remember watching a couple of videos, uh, let's say last year, the year before, and like my blood was boiling. Yeah. Some of the things that they were doing, how up and like, if somebody were to get into my face like that, like, I don't know. Yeah. Imagine if you and the boys were out yeah. doing anything yeah. of a cultural nature, like whether it was hunting or yeah. imagine, imagine if you were leaving a powwow, yeah. right? And these people and just, you just had a great day dancing yeah. and then people surround your car to yell at you. Yeah. How they don't agree with, with your value system. Right? Yeah, exactly. You have animal parts in your regalia. So therefore, you know, and it's not much of a stretch. It, it isn't at right? all. Right. Like they don't understand the importance of hunting. Like this was the foundation of our communities. Mm-hmm. Like where we lived was based on where the food was. Right, yeah. maybe maybe not so much for for Haudenosaunee people because you guys were farmers, 
for the majority, right? So no, you guys, that's true. That's true. I, uh, I actually heard that Anishinaabe people teased us about how bad we were in hunting. <laughs> right? Honestly, I'd heard that historically yeah. back in the day. You guys had to farm because you sucked at hunting. <laughs> <laughs> Don't tell us the Animal Alliance. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> this is going to be out of ammunition. <laughs> right. You guys don't even know how to use crossbows. <laughs> <laughs> we support the hunt as long as you plant a big cornfield next to it. The three sisters. Then we'll be, we'll be okay uh, with that. So, so what's next then? What, what, uh, what, what do we want to see? What do we want to do? What's the goal? What was the goal with this letter? Well, I mean, the letter, the letter also comes <laughs> on the heels of, I don't know how closely you followed. Uh, are you related to Joseph Shawana, the chef? I'm just assuming, right? Every Anishinaabe person right. is related yeah, to every other cousin. Anishinaabe yeah. person. Right. Is he really your cousin? No. We have a bunch of Shawanas here. I'm just yeah. assuming he's related to all I, of them. I'm so. related to the Shawanas, specifically Joe and... Lucas. Oh, okay. To sex. Chef Joseph Shawana. Okay. Not, so, not related to our beloved Joe Shawana, who yeah. comes on the show all the time. And right. who listens to every episode, I assume. And who is a very well-spoken and fantastic young man. Right. Uh, very knowledgeable. Um, Chef Joseph Shawana has a restaurant in Toronto. And they okay. tried to open a high-end restaurant where they are, he procured seal meat. Okay. Served it on the menu. And the animal rights shit hit the fan. <laughs> people probably went crazy. Yeah, people people went a little nuts. They walked by forty five McDonald's on their way to go protest. <laughs> right, the fact that like maybe one total seal was used for an entire season's run right. of this. Right, so there. I mean that that's another example of singling out an indigenous person for doing something traditional. Meanwhile, Western society discards about 40% of their meat. So to create a visual, put four hamburgers on a table between the three of us, or put 10 hamburgers on a table between the three of us sitting here and imagine that we just started out by whipping four in the garbage. That's effectively what happens with with the global food system in in Western society. So we're we're already wasting 40% of the meat. Right. The chef, because because of the margin in his restaurant, I'm sure is not wasting any seal. No, not at all. I'm sure that the Haudenosaunee deer hunters, I, I know that they use that meat for ceremony. Yeah. And I also know a lot of hunters that, that make sure that if they have extra meat, that it goes to single mothers. They, it they give it elders, out to long that, ho- at the longhouse. Yeah. Yeah. They yeah, give they it, give it, it com- to their people. Completely to everybody. Yeah. That's right. And every aspect of the animal is used. Like, yeah. It's more than meat. That's, yeah. what I, that's what I want to get across to people is it's, it's more than just hunting. It's more than just food. Like we use everything. Yeah, our uh, our men's group went and, and picked corn in yeah. uh, in Six Nations, and we're drying the corn right now. We braided the corn, we're drying it. When if if we were traditional people, one of the ways you can get dried corn off of the cob is by using the jawbone of the yep. deer. So that's just one of many tools that that you could use from from the parts of the deer. Which again, I'm I'm very sure that the 1,400 deer that were killed by non-indigenous hunters, I'm very sure that none of them are going to take the jawbone right. and use it as any kind of any kind of a tool, of, right? Of exactly. Any shape or fashion. Well, I, mean, I mean, the whole concept of hats for hides exists for a reason, right? Yeah, because they don't use it. Yeah, <laughs> it's wasted. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And not not to say that these hunters are uh, are doing it wrong. It's just that this is how we do it, and this is how we utilize every aspect of the animal, and right. we find importance of every aspect of the animal. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. So, back to Mr. Shauna. Oh, no. Just that it, 
to me, it seems like no coincidence that he got singled out by again an overzealous animal rights community in in Toronto. Right. Uh, again, there. I mean, there are restaurants that serve foie gras. You can go to Toronto, mm-hmm. and I think most like Canoe and whatever, like all of these, all of the Oliver and Bonaccini series of restaurants. Yeah. They serve foie gras in in those restaurants. Yet there, you know, nothing said about that, or or I guess it's you know it's out of favor, or probably what it is is they figure it's a battle they can't win. All right. Uh, whereas in, if you pick on a lowly indigenous person, then right. maybe that's a battle. You a nice little that. independent. Yeah, yeah, right. An independent chef trying to start out. The, which, by the way, mm. the food is fantastic. Go to Cookham Restaurant in, yeah. in Toronto. I've heard nothing but rave reviews. It gets regular five-star reviews. Like, this guy did his homework. The uh, chef, and uh, he, he's the first one to tell you. He's got a team of people. It's not just about him, right? Yeah. He's got a group of people that they research, and they understand issues of food security yeah. and of self-determination. And they're they're working towards the greater goals of, of truly indigenizing the high-end restaurants. Right. So, again, you have, you have this... this the chef that's out there really trying to make a positive difference in the world. Yeah. And then you get people normally, I love people with Bristol board and markers, <laughs> but this particular group of people with Bristol board and markers has decided to single out the indigenous chef. And again, if it looks like racism and it walks like racism, and it smells like racism, then it's, it's, it's probably racism. racism. Yeah. yeah. On, on the heels of, you know, this, and this is hardly an isolated example. There no, it, anywhere like the, anywhere you go, Wales, right. What was the story about that young boy. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. The 16-year-old boy, is, yep. as a rite of passage, killed his first whale. And again, his entire village is, is going to be able to eat for an entire season because this this young boy has fulfilled a, a cultural uh, a cultural responsibility yeah. that he has. His pictures were posted on Facebook by some loving family members. And now this 16-year-old boy is receiving death threats. Yeah. And getting all kinds of again racial slurs, and the entire the entire strength of the comment section community is leveraged against the sixteen year old boy <laughs> that that just you know thought he was doing good by right. by helping to feed his village again in an area where where food security is a major issue. Right, people go to bed hungry in northern and remote indigenous communities. Right, M- many people almost most people go to bed hungry because food security is is a major issue here. But again, can't hunt well yeah, exactly. because it's cute <laughs> and that being said listeners you need to go to our episode and learn on how to be an ally right do not trample on our treaty rights right be informed about our treaty rights yeah under understand that and and again i mean the uh that's that's the point that i i want to go back to and your traveling thought is <laughs> my traveling thought is it's quite simple. There, there's more to this particular deer hunt than any other deer hunt that's out there. You cannot separate the fact that in this deer hunt is practicing indigenous rights. And by opposing this deer hunt, you are therefore opposing indigenous rights, period. Right. Because if you weren't, you'd be at other deer hunts. Exactly. All across Ontario. Exactly. Well said. Thanks. <laughs> My traveling thought is is bring, bringing it back to treaties um, is learn about them. Um, we have agreements in place. And if you are going to protest those agreements, you're protesting my very existence as a Anishinaabe man. Um, and I have issue with that. Um, am I affected by this deer hunt? Not at all. On a personal level, this has no relation to me at all. But are you affected by this? Yes. So <laughs> as such, I will be out there in full support of any 
and all people who are hunting. My, my, my children are registered to Six Nations, and they are Haudenosaunee. And if my children make the decision to hunt when they get older, they're going to be protesting them. And I have issue with that. Um, so I stand in support of the deer hunt at Short Hills. That's my traveling thought. Well said. Nagitwa. <laughs> That was my first attempt at Oneida. <laughs> that was pretty good. Was that it? That was pretty good. Yeah, Thank man. You. Yeah. Obama P. <laughs> that was very good. <laughs> <laughs> We're learning about right? things. That's great. You've been listening to One Dish, One Mic right here in the Niagara Podcasters Network. So uh, we're at the Papa Podcast Studio, home of Niagara's independent workforce. Keep listening, like, share. We're on Instagram. We are on Instagram. Hashtag in the sh- stuff right like us on instagram yeah and twitter or follow us on twitter like us on instagram and like us on facebook yeah click the thumb on we facebook. we have we have a new website yeah we, ha- we haven't actually done an unveiling yet you oh yeah to, that's right you need to that's do right. your biography oh yeah yeah you have until next saturday next wednesday to do your biography <laughs> all right all right love you guys Nagiba. wow painful that was horrible <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for listening to One Dish, One Mike on the Niagara Podcasters Network. Your hosts are Carl Dockstader and Sean Vanderpuss. Recording is done at the Pop-Up Podcast Studio at Cowork Niagara, home of Niagara's independent workforce. Executive producer is Trevor Twining. Production assistance by Daniel Twining. Show artwork by Mitch Baird. Music by DJ Shub, used with permission. If you have show ideas or comments, you can reach us on Twitter at Niagara Podcasts.